welcome to the Nerd Party. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of your hosts, Asia Bonilla. And I'm the other host, Charles Sheeland. And today we're finishing the Stargirl duology with the dramatic sequel, Love, Stargirl. And for anyone who is new to our show, we're a podcast on the Nerd Party Network. We're best friends and we read and reread young adult books from our adolescence and share them with each other. This duet of books was suggested by me and Charles was reading for the first time. Though I had never read this particular sequel myself, so this was actually new for both of us. I'm interested to hear your thoughts because I basically had no notes on this book. Like, even fewer than the first book. I really enjoyed it, but I had no deep analytical thoughts or plot thoughts. Yeah. I think I did take more notes than the last book. I mean, like I said, the first book, it was basically like I hadn't read it before because I didn't really remember much of it. Except that I knew, like, she was different and everything. But I definitely didn't have any, like, or I don't think I had any, like, deep analytical thoughts about it. I don't really think that's this type of book. But I did enjoy it a lot. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was enjoyable for sure. So for our summary, we're going to follow Stargirl in the year after she leaves Arizona. She's trying to get over Leo while adjusting to a new life in Pennsylvania. She makes new friends, and people generally accept her for who she is, which is great. But she doesn't meet anyone her age except Perry. He's a troubled kid, but he develops a soft spot for Stargirl and her for him. And as she gets to know him and plan more things to do in Pennsylvania, her letters to Leo become less about missing Leo and more about living life as it happens. And then she finally hears from Leo at the end of the book. So... My impression was that it was fine. It was super cute. It was enjoyable. I thought it had less of a moral or a theme than the first book, which is fine. But the story kind of just happened for me. Like, it wasn't special at all to me. I think I definitely preferred the first book, but I didn't dislike this. It wasn't like I was reading it. I was like, I was like, oh my God, I want to stop. Like, I just, it was fine. So for me, I'd say I also really enjoyed it, and I think I really enjoyed this because we got Stargirl's perspective because the last book was from Leo's perspective, so I thought it was just nice to, like, also, like, from what we talked about last episode with their relationship, it was nice to see, like, what her thoughts were afterwards and how she was dealing with the breakup and everything, so I enjoyed that, and I would agree that I don't think, like, this is in any way stronger than the first book, like, this literally I feel like is the type of sequel that can't exist without the first book like it's in companion to it like it kind of adds to the story but it's definitely not strong enough to stand on its own but yeah overall I liked it and I think if you read or have read the first book I would just highly recommend reading the sequel if you are more interested in like learning about Stargirl as a person because I think that was mainly what I was interested in because since we got her perspective like we just got more insight into how she thought and like Just who she was. Also, if you thought that she was annoying in the first book, you won't think she's annoying in this book. Exactly. Also because she's grown a lot. She definitely had some more healthy boundaries in this book. I think that was very nice. Like, I think that's probably also why I had less of a reaction to it. Like, was that I, yeah, I just felt like she 
Like, I was annoyed by her in the first book, but I wasn't annoyed at all during this one. So you were like, I just don't care. (laughs) (laughs) My iconic line. So let's dive in. The whole book is written as one big letter to Leo. But honestly, it's like more of a journal. So that it's kind of written because she doesn't send this letter to Leo. So it's more like she written like she's speaking directly to the reader. So it kind of like is a cool format because it gives her the opportunity to write in second person, like telling the story to you. But we don't actually have to have a character. Like it's it's to Leo, but it's never for Leo. It's really for us. So I thought that was a very cool like writing device to Even achieve though it like she that. does say at the end of the book that she is going to send it to him. Yes, but it's not like epistolary in that like it's letters back and forth or like no, yeah. she sends it him a letter. No, yeah, it me a lot of Perks of Being a Wallflower, like just that style of writing of how it was letters and like it was like, I mean, that book, like he was talking, like we were reading letters like we were the person who he was writing the letter to. But yes, I would agree with you that like it felt more like she was writing to the reader. Yeah. And she starts off by calling Leo her former and future lover, which seemed a little presumptuous, but, you know, it was a very dramatic way to start the book. Well, I think, again, that just goes to, you know, young teenage love, her first real heartbreak, which I thought, like, that's what I also enjoyed most about the book, but we'll get to that as we go along. So at the beginning, she's obviously talking a lot about Leo, and she's talking about a new friend that she's made, and this has actually gotten her all the way up to 20 pebbles in her happy wagon. So that has to be a good sign. So why don't you talk about that friend? So pretty much her best friend in the book is this little girl from the neighborhood. She's five years old when she starts. I think she turned six during the book. And her name is Dootsy, which, you know... We already have Star Girl. Now we have some girl named Dootsie. Like, what were her parents thinking? But Dootsie is a very hilarious character. Like, she is a very outgoing and just comedic five-year-old. So I very much enjoyed her character. I mean, yeah, she's a very, very chaotic child. That's true. But I guess it's also therefore on brand that she would be friends with Star Girl. I. Dootsie is. She also just provides that comic relief, like, that an unaware five-year-old can. Like, I really liked whenever Tutsu would run around and scream, he dumped you, he dumped you, to Stargirl. Not obviously that I want anyone to have to live through painful things, but, like, I did think it was pretty funny that, like, she would just do that. Yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> but speaking of, Stargirl's letter with all these letters, there was a letter she wrote on March 12th, which was one of the only letters where she actually, like, bashes on Leo, like, kind of talks bad about him. And it was pretty much, like, a nice summarization of how I felt during the last book, you know, if you listen to the last episode, just because ultimately, like, she's, like, saying, like, you know, Leo didn't deserve me, like, I was, or, like, I am incredible, which, like, again, girl boss, yes, hype yourself up, especially, like, After a breakup, you know, you go through the moments where you're like, oh my gosh, like, I don't deserve anyone. But you also need to, like, build yourself yourself up and be like, no, they didn't deserve me. So I like, like, we got a little bit of balance there. That's the letter where she says he didn't deserve her or appreciate her, right? Yeah. It's, like, the one letter where she, like, actually, like, has something, like, negative to say about Leo. Most of the time she brushes over it or, like, 
stays positive about him. Because also at the end of it, she does say she, like, at the end of that letter, she says she forgives him. She's like, you didn't appreciate me, but, like, who could have? It's all right. Like. Which I think is a healthy way of thinking of it in the sense of she's acknowledging that, like, I am, like, enough as myself and just because you couldn't handle me doesn't make you a bad person, doesn't make me a bad person. It's just, like, we weren't meant for each other. Yeah, because she still kind of loves him, and she's trying to reconcile her feelings for Leo with her frustration with him. Like, she clearly still has a crush on him because she can't stop thinking about him. And then she, like, like she writes a pro-con list, and the pros are the same thing as the cons. Like, I should have I pulled the quote, but it's like, he's like, you liked me for who I was. You didn't like me for who I was. Also because Leo undergoes this profound change during the book. But, like, yeah, it's it's complex because she is, like, she's kind of having like a very teenage moment of liking both, like, things that she likes are also the things she hates. It reminds me of that, I don't know if you know the, like, Miley Cyrus song, like, Seven Things I, like, Hate About You, and it's, like, that like that idea of like the things that made me love you like once it's over they make me hate you too yeah just lots of teen angst here yes i think that's accurate so then stargirl ends up meeting this odd boy who is kind of like the definition of like being hard to get his name is perry and it seems like she's kind of setting him up to be like her rebound like the new boy she's gonna have a crush on to I would assume, like, try and get over Leo. Yeah, and it's, like, I don't know if a rebound is exactly accurate, only because rebound, at least, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it generally means, like, a, not someone you're serious about that is kind of just there for emotional or often physical companionship for a brief time just to help you get over an ex, and that's, like, the antithesis of... Stargirl's, like, whole personality. Like, I do think that he will help her recover, but I don't think that she would ever, like... I don't think she would be interested in him just to get over Leo or just to make Leo jealous. Like, she's interested in Perry because she's interested in Perry. He just happens to also be the first person she's interested in after Leo. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I more so just, like, I don't think that was her intention, I guess, in, like, that definition of rebound, but just more of, like, the next person she's dating. I mean, he does end up kind of being a rebound because they don't end up, like, being together, and she realizes she's not actually, like, really interested in him. But, yeah, I didn't mean it in, like, a that was her intention, but just, like, her, like, next guy that she's going to be interested in. Yes, that I agree with. And I feel like I also described him as the rebound because as much as I, you know, bashed on Leo in the last episode, Perry is somehow, like, worse than him. So I was like, you cannot go from Leo, who made you feel bad about yourself, to Perry, who's literally a mess. And also, he's basically homeless. Also, because, like, we don't really know his circumstances at the beginning. But all we know about is that he steals a lot. He sucks on lemons, which, I don't know, that's, like, psychopathic behavior. Like, I don't know, that's just really weird. I mean... And then he spits the lemon seeds at her. Like, that's so rude. He's playing hard to get, and he's kind of mean. And, like, that's not a good quality. 
it's not a good quality. Like, I know it's, like, the thing of, like, oh, if they're mean to you, it means they like you. And I'm like, no, we're not about that here. But also, the biggest red flag from him is that he has what he calls his, like, a harem of girls. He calls them, like, his honeybees. And they all have, like, little temporary tattoos of honeybees on them. So he's got, like, I think it's, like, three girls who are, like, you know, with him. So... And he, like, basically, like, wants to, like, Stargirl to join that. And again, where we're, like, Stargirl we know is incredible. And obviously, if I guess she was interested in polygamy, good for her. But I don't think that that was what she was going for. So, I don't know. When Stargirl was, like, starting to express her interest in him, or, like, once we found out more information about him, like, he has the harem or whatever, I was, like, I think she needs to move on to the next boy. But, like, it's hard because she has limited options. But this is where I was just, like... Also, I mean, why are all these girls obsessed with him? Like, make it make sense. Like, he's a mess. And he spits lemon seeds. Like, that's so nasty. Like, how could anybody find that attractive? I mean, I had, like, the urge sometimes as a child to, like, eat a raw lemon. But, like, not more than once. And I would never spit them seeds at someone. Also, you really shouldn't do that because it's really bad for your teeth. But, like, I'm not saying, like, it's not even like he spits them out, like, on the ground. He spit them at Stargirl. Like... Like, hit her in the face or the chest or wherever it was. That's yeah. disgusting. Like, it's I'm disgusting. sorry. That's an immediate, like, that gave me the ick. Get, get away from me. Also, the, I mean, I do think, like, the harem is the bigger thing for me. Like, he's mysterious and he's dark and he's moody and he's hard to get. So I totally understand why the girls are, are gaga over him. But they shouldn't be because, you know. He's a mess. <laughs> he's a mess. And then he eventually actually does kiss Stargirl, but you're right that she, and she is, you know, she's kind of falling for him, but she also keeps an appropriate distance. Like, you know, she, like, she definitely is developing this crush and, like, trying to talk to him, but she never, like, follows him home and stands in front of his house for three hours. <laughs> Leo. Yeah. But, you know, I guess sometimes stalkers can be your best lovers. Like, look at Edward and Bella. Just kidding. That was a joke. Please. No, that wasn't serious. <laughs> that was a joke. But. Asia is condoning complete strangers coming into your house and watching you sleep all night long. I mean, if they're a hot vampire, maybe. But you have to have, like, mentally consented to that, like, in your dreams, I think. Pretty sure consent has to be, like, active and vocal. I know. I'm, I'm kidding. Again, clear. That was a joke. Moving on. So, we need to talk about Dootsie again. I don't even know if I'm saying her name right. Like, it's like, or maybe is it like Tootsie, but Dootsie? No, it's Dootsie. It's Dootsie. But like, isn't that how you spell Tootsie Roll? Is that, it could be yeah, Dootsie. Yeah, Tootsie Roll's a. Dootsie, either way Dootsie is sounds terrible, horrible. honestly. That's, it's like, Dootsie. it's fine right now. She's five, but like, they're going to call her Doodoo. Like, I, what, what kind of, like, this, what, what even is the nickname for that? Doot? Like, which sounds really close to toot. Like, like farting. But I'm just like, what were her parents thinking? Also, because it's never, like, specified if, like, that's just a nickname. Like, that's that seems like it's... It's got to be a nickname for Dorothy, right? But I feel like that would have been clarified. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially since Stargirl made up her own name. It feels like the kind of thing that would, like, be discussed. Like, she's like, no, like, my actual name, like, is this. But, like, this is my name that I picked or, like, my nickname. Like, that's never explained, but I'm just saying, so, interesting name, but anyway. Stargirl also has another friend named Alvina, 
And like, and Alvina is also like a younger girl. She's a little bit older though. She's 11, I think they say, but now I'm forgetting how we just said to say it. Dootsie? Dootsie. <laughs> I'm second guessing myself now. Dootsie is definitely my favorite character because she's just so funny and she has like some really good quotes and I wrote down one of them, which is she's talking to Stargirl and Stargirl says, if all you want is the ketchup, why did you order French fries? And Dootsie's like, she sighed, trying to be patient and she says, because you can't just drink ketchup, you goof. Like, (laughs) this little girl is so funny. Like, but yeah, she was definitely like a nice comedic relief throughout the book. Yeah, she's very precocious too. Like she's pre-developed. I love when though I love when she because she's precocious when she does things that are like childish. Like she doesn't say human being, she says human being, which I thought was really funny. But I would say, now this is how Stargirl is a better person than I am. If I was sixteen, seventeen, and I was basically expected to be a five year old's babysitter. Well, I wouldn't talk to a five-year-old because I'd be worried that it'd be, like, creepy. But also, like, just, like, bringing a five-year-old around everywhere you go, it's, like, a little weird. And I definitely wouldn't want to babysit them, like, you know, 24-7. I definitely, well, it's not 24-7. And also, like, I don't know if Stargirl says that she's her best friend, but, like, that's definitely the vibe we get because that's... She's literally the main person that Stargirl hangs out with probably out of everyone. So I wouldn't, I doubt Stargirl thinks of it as like babysitting. Like obviously when it's there together, she's in charge because she's much older. But I think like she genuinely likes being around her. And And I I guess I can't relate to that. (laughs) What? I guess I can't relate to that because even though I liked kids when I was 17 and 18, like... I just can't imagine thinking that a five-year-old would have been my best friend. No, I get that. And, like, also, well, I was going to say, too, like, Stargirl's mom says near the end of the book how she's kind of like the little sister she never had because also Stargirl is an only child. So having that idea of, like, maybe she wanted a sibling, a younger sister to share with. And there are some people who, like, who have, like, big age gaps like that between, like, siblings, and, like, they really enjoy that and, like, love it. And, no, they don't maybe spend all their time, which, like, Stargirl doesn't spend every second with her, but she does spend a lot of the book with her. So I don't think she minds it as much. And also to remember, because she's home, like, she's being homeschooled again, like, she doesn't really know a lot of people her age, so she's meeting people, like, basically just right around where she lives. So it's just kind of, like, however old those people are. and. Even though Dussie's only five, like, she clearly has a very, like, advanced personality. She's really funny. So, I, it, like, makes sense for her character. But, like, yes, I agree. I also don't think when I was, like, 16, 17, I would have wanted to be hanging out with a five-year-old. Or, like, be so close to a five-year-old that I would consider them my best friend. Yeah. But I do think they have a very sweet relationship. And a nice, like, big sister, little sister relationship. Yeah, I guess. So then on top of that, she's also essentially raising this other girl that we mentioned, Alvina, because Alvina is 11 and she is a problem child. And her parents basically are like, we don't even know what to do with her. We'll pay you a little bit of money if you just bring her along with your excursions. So like her parents basically gave up on raising this child. 
and now Stargirl has to, which was wild to me. Which I'll also say for Alvina, I don't know if you realized this, and I don't know if it was just, like, not mentioned or I missed it, but I didn't realize how young she was at the beginning of the book. Like, they didn't mention her age until, like, way later that she was 11 because at the beginning, all we know about her character is she works at the donut shop, but, like, not for money, for, like, donuts, and... Which I was like, I, I had assumed she was around Stargirl's age. Like, I thought she was a teenager. Maybe, like, a little bit younger, but a teenager for sure. Like, 14, maybe. That's what I thought, too. I thought she was, like, and she And so, like, she was peer. working for donuts because she doesn't need the money. And she's, like, more so doing it to help her. And then she brings the donuts to Betty Lou, which is somebody we haven't mentioned yet. But she's this woman who has agoraphobia. She never leaves her house. But the biggest character thing we know about Alvina is she likes to, like, or not likes to, but she beats people up. Like, she's kind of angry and, like, aggressive, and she's, like, beat up multiple boys throughout the story. So, to now take into account her age, it was just kind of crazy. Like, I didn't realize how young she was. Like, did you realize that before, like, midway through? No, it was not until her parents said, will you take care of her? She's 11. We don't even know what to do. I was like, she's 11? She's working. That was when, too, they asked Stargirl. Because at first, you know, I was like, oh, they're paying her to be, like, be her friend, I guess. That's what also, I thought. I just, like, didn't realize. But, yeah, when they said that, I was like, no, they're paying her to be, like, again, like a role model, like a big sister role. Yes. Which, yeah, I just didn't realize. So I, I thought that was, like, an interesting reveal. I thought so, too. But, because, if, yeah, at first I was like, how is this, like, this girl's working, so she's got to be, like, 16. That's, like, legal that she has to be at least 16. <laughs> And also, she's beating people up. I'm like, turns out she's a very, very fierce 11-year-old. Well, that's clearly why her parents were worried. And it also makes sense why then she wasn't working for money because she's, like, literally not old enough. So she's just doing it for the food, basically, to, like, help out. I guess. But Alvina is also one of the girls are, like, it kind of is, like, pretty obvious. She seems to have a crush on Perry because, again, I guess every girl that we've met in this story is obsessed with Perry. I mean, even Dootsie is, like, kind of obsessed with him. And another thing on top of all the things we said about that are, like, not going good for him, he also litters. Like, what a garbage human being. He litters, and, like, Stargirl tries to give him a lecture on this, and, like, his explanation of, like, the world sucks, I was like, throw him in the trash right now. Like, if that wasn't enough to be like, this is not the man for you, this is it. Like, you need to run far, far away in the other direction. So, like I said, at this point, I was like, if Stargirl's still chasing after him, like, she clearly has a bad taste in men. Like, last book, Leo was asking her to change, and now she's wanting to parry, who's, like, in my opinion, even worse. Because also, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, Leo was not actually bad. He just made bad choices, whereas, like, Perry, to me, is, like, actually a mess. So, absolutely not. Can I say something about that comparison? Sure. So... If you are a Gilmore Girls fan, I think that Leo is kind of, oh my god, now I'm forgetting his name, Logan, the blonde. Leo is Logan, and Perry is Jesse. And you watch Gilmore Girls? Yes. Why did I not know this? I can't remember what the first guy's name is. Dean. Yeah, so we don't have a Dean in this story, because... Rory Gilmore has terrible taste in men, too. And she's always like, Dean, you were the best first boyfriend ever. And I was like, Dean had anger issues. Like, he was not good for her. And then people love Jesse 
that's because he's Milo Ventimiglia. And I'm like, well, that's cause, just because he's really beautiful. But, I mean, I understand he is very beautiful. But he's, like, the character is basically Perry's character, where he's, like, a total douchebag, but he's really nice to her. Like, he's, like, mean and rude to everyone else and, like, treats the world like he doesn't care. And then he plays, like, hard to get with her. And then when they're alone, when no one else is around, he's really nice to her. And it's like that is a huge red flag. Friend, huge that, that red is flag. A red flag. And people are always like, "But Jess, like he's good for her. Like he cares about what she wants." And I'm like, Clearly "Yeah, not. but if he acts like that, it doesn't matter. Like you got to be nice. You got to be a good person all the time, not just in private." Also, is his name Jesse? I feel like I'm making that up. Is it Jess? Maybe it's just Jess. Whatever. And then well, I wouldn't know. I've never seen Gilmore Girls. Whatever. It's Mila Ventimiglia. His character is basically Perry. And Leo from Original Stargirl, he is Logan, where he's like a completely different lifestyle. And he just keeps introducing her to his lifestyle. And she goes along with it. But like when push comes to shove, she can't really fit in. So anyway. So that's Leo? That's Leo. The blonde. Logan. Okay, that's a... That's a nice little comparison. If you're but it doesn't a really matter. person. It doesn't really matter because Stargirl is very much not over Leo. Case in point, on her entry from September 15th, she writes, Dory Dilson wrote and told me where you're going to college. I like knowing where you are. I will always know where you are. Okay, stalker. Getting some Edward Cullen vibes right here overprotective crazy lover person i guess former and future lover <laughs> i mean that was right in the beginning so like that made sense but yeah this was like this was sort of like oh where did those healthy boundaries go <laughs> <laughs> she's really struggling with the boundaries they're very hard for her so she's doing all of this like being homeschooled stalking her ex-boyfriend Right in this long journal while she's essentially raising two young girls. And that's kind of like. What? She's not raising them. <laughs> she kind of They're is. They're actually like she's this single, like, teen mom now. She's. Dootsie's her friend. She's not raising her anyway. She only hangs out when they're doing fun stuff. And then Alvina, she's just, like, trying to, like, be a good role model, but she's not raising her. This book is wild. Like,. She's like, um, what are, they have like the big sis, little sis. It's like one of those kind of programs. Like, I don't know. They do that in like Girl Scouts or something. Like, you know how they do those kind of things sometimes? They like partner you with somebody. It's like that. But she has two. She has like two little buddies. I guess. I just, it's just like, what is this book? And it's voluntary. She volunteered for both of those things. I guess. It's just weird to me. And so like, that's kind of the my problem maybe with this book is that it kind of felt like. There was no plot. Like, it kind of was just, like... I mean, it was one long, endless letter. There was definitely going to be no plot. It was just, like, her, like, fever dream That's what I mean. Like, it felt a little too, like, episodic. Like, there was nothing... Like, doesn't that fit with her character? Yes, it does. It does. But it didn't... It made it hard for me to, like, draw me in. I didn't want to keep coming back to it. Like, it wasn't a page-turner because of that. Like, at least in the first book, like, it was a page-turner. It was like, what crazy thing is she going to do today? Like, how are the kids going to bully her today? Whereas this one was just like, hmm, okay, guess we're 
going and planting a fork in the ground. And so, like, that was even, like, we didn't get an arc of, like, what we were supposed to follow until, like, the final third of the book when she's building towards a solstice. So she's, like, making her solstice sundial. And she asks Perry to join. He doesn't. And this is when she realizes, oh, maybe being a flake is a red flag. And then the book, like, ends with her throwing this solstice party and inviting everyone she knows. And it was, like, it was sweet, but it was just, like, I don't know. It was hard for me to get super into it because I felt like it was very disconnected. Okay. Which I think was what she, which I think was the goal. But it's not my preferred style of reading. Well, yeah, I was going to say, because, like, I would disagree if there was no arc. It's not, but it wasn't, this is the kind of story that's not plot-driven. It was about the character development. Because, like, I'll talk about how I felt in the end of, like, what I felt the message was of, like, to me, the arc that we're following is Stargirl's character development, some of the other people's character development, like, in the story, but mainly Stargirl, like, her through these letters, how she has changed, which... I mean, that's what I said. To me, it's a little bit similar to Perks Being Wallflower. It's obviously not on that level. It's different. And this one is more like, you said, like, sporadic, which matches with her, like, personality that's been created in her character. But, like, that to me is what, like, the arc was, as opposed to, like, yeah, so, and for you, if you don't have that preference of, like, reading something like that, yeah, it's not going to be a page turner. I mean, I wouldn't have described this as a page turner either. To me, like I said, I think it's just, like, a nice accompaniment to the original book. That I but, like, totally this agree is definitely with. not, it's not strong enough to stand on its own. Like, if this was, like, the only book and, like, you were, like, who is this star girl? Like, it just, it's not, like, that's not really what it's about. It's more like, oh, like, you enjoyed the first book. Now let's, like, read a little bit from her perspective, like, and continue the story a little bit. It's kind of like how fans are always, like, when they get, like, a one-off book and they, like, really want more. It's like that, I feel like, is the vibe I get. Like, it's like, oh, I wrote this because fans wanted more. And I think that's true because it was also written significantly later. Like, it wasn't written as, like, a, we're going to write four books and we're going to write one each year, you know, fantasy book or, like, yeah, it was, young adult, like, formula. Like, it was, it definitely felt like an intellectual exercise for Jerry Spinelli, not necessarily, like, a, this is going to be a cash cow to write a series. Yeah, because it was published seven years after the original book. But, you know, finishing up with the plot, so, like Charles said, at the end, there's the winter solstice party, and, like, Betty Lou, which is one of the characters we haven't, like, talked that much about, she's this older lady, and she's agoraphobic, so she's said that she's been, she stayed in her house for the past nine years, and... Stargirl and Dootsie go to, like, visit her on a regular basis. And, like, she they have, like, a system that, like, when she's having a really bad day, she puts, like, a red sock on the door. So they'll go and visit her to, like, make her feel better. And, like, that was another character development thing. I was, like, she's developed not only this relationship where I guess, like Charles said, she's taking care of two children. She's also got, like, I don't know if she was old enough to be her grandma because I don't really know what the age was. But still, like, she's made a relationship with this woman who's, like, also given her, like, life advice and stuff. And I thought it was really heartwarming because at the end of the book, Betty Lou does come out of her house to come to the winter solstice party. And, like, Stargirl was hopeful that she was going to come, but she didn't want to put, like, pressure on her. But she does come out and, like, she's able to, like, start to overcome her agoraphobia, like, at the end of the book. So, to me, like, again, that was a message of, like, Stargirl is able to make, like very good impacts on people when she has healthy boundaries because I feel like in the last book she talked about how like you know she wants to 
she's so observant and she's all about like she wants to help people and like live for other people like how they did like the card game and stuff of like giving cards to people and just being like observing other people's lives and with her healthy boundaries and like actually forming a relationship with somebody she was able to make their life better so i thought that was like good character growth for her from the first book i think that's totally true and i think that's i think it's a good point like and yeah i think that like, also just the people that come to the party. And, like, we didn't mention there's, like, a guy that he sits in the cemetery every day. And she and Dootsie visit him. And he doesn't really talk to anyone. And, you know, she, like, he... I don't think he ends up coming to her party, but, like, she's... He does. He comes to the party. Oh, he does. But, like, okay. Pretty much every named character we got shows up to the party. Which... I'll also say is huge character growth from the last book when after she won, no one from the town showed up. And now every person in this town that she's gotten to know shows up for her. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's also growth. Yes. It's definitely growth of the people around her, but it's mostly like her because, I mean, even her interactions with this man definitely show restraint. Like, she doesn't, when she first meets him, she doesn't just, like, go and, like, take off his headphones and, like, dump flowers on his lap and say, ha, 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 let's be happy. Like... (laughs) <laughs> but that's kind of, like, how she acted in the first book. And. No, yeah. So. It's growth. It's ultimately what it is. It's growth. It's showing that she learned from what, it, like, even though, yes, she was bullied or whatever, and she was an outcast of the old school, and as horrible as that was, she learned from some of the mistakes she made of why she got to that point in Arizona. Like, why, like, she, we're assuming, had self-reflection on that. And, you know, she took things, and instead of, you know, just totally shrinking herself and trying to be normal like everyone else, she took what's good about her and, you know, contained the things that were a bit much or, you know, inappropriate, basically. So that's where, like, yes, I feel like I specifically enjoyed that in this book because we got, like, the best star girl. Like, we got a better version of her. Yeah. Yeah, I I accept that, and I agree. And so, talking about the party... How did you feel about Archie bringing, like, the yes? Like, he brings a letter from Leo that says yes. How did you feel about that? So, I liked it because basically Stargirl, like, which, the whole solstice thing, basically, every Thursday morning she would go up and, like, mark the sun and was, like, making, like, I guess, like, an old school clock. I don't really understand how that stuff works, but it was, like, something, like, really cool she was doing. Wait, you don't understand how a sundial works? No, I don't know. Like, I, I know that's, like, a thing. Like, it's based on where the light hits. But, like, I don't understand, like, how, what she was doing. I don't understand. Maybe, Charles, would you like to give us an explanation on how that works since you're clearly an expert based on your tone of voice over there? I'm not an expert. But also, like. You don't know how a sundial works? You kind of it yourself. It's just, like, the sundial is a spoke that basically it, based on as the sun rises, it casts a shadow over this, like, diagonal wedge slope that indicates the hour of the day. And I guess Stargirl was placing, like, these spatulas at the hour increments so that her, like, sundial element would, like, hit at the right time. I, I'm i not an expert, but, but you like, understood where it. where did she get a wedge? I don't know. To me, like... It would be one thing if we saw it, like, in the movie, but, like, to read about it, and I was like, I don't know the science behind this. I thought it was cool. I thought it was great she was doing her own thing, but I did not understand what was happening. But good for her. You just have to see one sundial for, like, in, like, in real life, and you can, like, visualize kind of what she was going for. 
But anyway, so she's doing that. She gets up super early on Thursdays, which I also thought, again, care, like, not, I don't even know if character goes the right thing, but I guess it was just, it was really heartwarming to see from the last book her being an outcast to her being fully embraced by this community now in Pennsylvania because something that's like small details. So every Thursday morning she would go before sunrise to this place so she could be there for sunrise to like mark the next paddle in the sundial thing. And she said she kept noticing how, like, every day more neighbors, like, porch lights would be on. And by, like, the end, literally every neighbor on her way had their porch lights on to, like, light her way there because they had all heard about what she was doing. And I just think, like, again, where, like, the message, like, it takes along the message from the first book of, you know, it shouldn't really matter. Like, they all thought she was an outcast, but now she's in a new place and people accept you. And, like, you just have to find the right group of people, like, to find where you belong kind of thing. But anyway, yes. back to your original question. Yes, oh, and. Go ahead. So, before we get back to Archie, because what you said, yes, and, yes, you should find the people that accept you for who you are. But also, you should accept that other people don't care. And that and she was, did, which is a huge development because again, in the first book, she probably would have just told people like all the time. Like she goes to school, got her rat on her shoulder. One, again, I'm not over the freaking rat because that was disgusting and also very terrifying. And some people could be really scared of that. But two, like she would just have told people, "I'm building this sundial," blah 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 blah, and like that would make people be like, "Oh my god, please stop talking about this. This is really annoying." Whereas again, this is something that she did privately. She only told her and parents. And people heard about it. Yeah. And she told Perry. And people heard about it and they chose to support her, which is a huge difference. Like, she let people decide to be chosen family. Whereas before, she was kind of forcing it on people. Oh my God. I just, I was watching a video and they were talking about like push and pull advertisement. And like, in the first book, she was like push advertisement, like pushing people to like accept her and like in their face. Whereas now she's got a pull advertisement where, like you said, like she's kind of allowing them to come to her if they're interested in what she's doing. Yes. Okay. Back to Archie's question, or Archie and Leo answering Stargirl's question. So I was talking about the Sundial, whatever, because the like last couple of weeks when she was doing it, every day she would like sit and like meditate and like send out meant like this one mental question of leo which the question ended up being will we meet again and the idea is or like what's implied is that he received this message in some way like or something similar or obviously had a similar idea so when he sends a letter through archie he's saying yes so like you're just assuming they had like a similar idea of like he was getting that energy, you know, if you believe in that kind of stuff, I guess, which I did like, and I thought it was sweet because, well, first of all, we go, let's talk about Perry. Cause at the end, we also like fully learn Perry's circumstance, which is where we like just really learn that he really is just like poor. He has like, I guess a single mom who like kind of has a boyfriend who like they stay with him. But he's like a deadbeat and she keeps coming back to him. And yeah. And she just had a baby and the reason Perry, like, Perry steals a lot because, like, they struggle. And he's not even really stealing because I guess this is, like, a pretty small town. And everyone in the town kind of knows the situation. So they just kind of look the other way whenever he takes things. Which is honestly, like, really sad and, like, devastating. But 
Anyway, so he, he gets, like, an explanation of for, like, why he's a mess. But even with that context, I still... Not that he's, like, necessarily not good enough, but he's just not ready for Stargirl. Like, because the fact is, that's his reality of his situation. Like, that's not Stargirl's situation. So, like, she... Again, she needs a mature adult person who's, like, ready to accept her as she is. And, like, Perry, I don't think, is ready to do that with anybody. Which is why he likes, like, his harem of girls who are just, like, giving him the attention he wants. But, like, without him having to make any commitment or have anyone get too close to his personal life. Because also, like, do the other, like, honeybees know about his, like, full situation? Oh, I guess everybody in the town seems to know. So, I don't know. But anyway, that was Perry. But with that, I will say I'm rooting for Leo in the sense of not that, like, I want them to end up together, like, romantically, but just I liked how, like they said, will we meet again? Yes, because, well, one, I'm a sap, so I love that idea of, like, someone's not forever out of your life ever. And I also just think it would be some, like, really cool if somehow they crossed paths again randomly. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, they live in the same town, but literally just, like, ran into each other and, like, had a conversation. Especially since, like, they both seem to have had, like, a huge impact on each other's lives. Like, Leo, I mean, we get, like, a little bit of him from the epilogue in the first book and then obviously this whole letter thing to leo is how star girl has like her like process of getting over him but it's clear that like he was like her first love so like they both just like it was a huge impact so i just think it would be like you know the idea of like thinking positively like that they could run into each other again in life yeah for sure i think that like i mean if we're also if we're like yes i like that there's a that they finish on sort of positive terms and that also like something we didn't talk about really very much, but like the letters to Leo become, and this is super gradual, less about like Leo as the book goes on and more about just like telling him what's going on, which is like her process of getting over him or not her process, but it's displaying her progress. Like, and for sure. So I think that, like, if we have to assign her a romantic partner of the two, I still think, like, Leo is a better fit. Um, He's just closer to what she would need. I agree. But we don't even have to do that. I think that um, I just appreciated that she was able to kind of gradually, with distance, like, be a friend to him and to know that they have that option when they meet again was very sweet. Yes. So I wrote down the quote from the very end of the book, which says, you be you and I'll be me today and today and today. And let's trust the future to tomorrow. Let the stars keep track of us. Let us ride our own orbits and trust that they will meet. May our reunion be not a finding, but a sweet collision of destinies, which I just thought was sweet. And again, like we're saying, it's just the idea of, I mean, especially from how the book started, Stargirl was like still devastated over Leo. She missed him a lot and she was still so much in love with him where like, just like Charles said, by the end, it's less about her talking about how she's obsessed with him or like wants to see him again more so like if it happens, it happens because she's moved on with her life. And that's where I said that like, again, I felt like that the message of the story is, or like, this the plot was her character growth and like how she was able to like 
kind of get over the heartbreak and, you know, learn how life, you know, just goes on and that's how you'll be able to move on from, like, someone. So that was, like, the message I got from it. And, but I can understand why, like, that might not have been enough and, like, the chaotic style of writing. Yeah, it wasn't that I disliked it. It's just, it's not something that, like, comes to, like, it's just not my preference. You know, you don't like fantasy. I don't like sort of episodic non-narrative books. It's totally fine. Um, I really did like the ending, and I liked that ending quote. It was super cute. I know that wasn't the exact ending quote, but you know what I mean? Like, that that, that was the ending of their... That was. That was the was ending, their ending quote. quote. That was the last line of the... That was the last line of the book. Oh, okay. I was like, it sounds like the end, but I wasn't sure if it was the end end. No, yeah, I, re- I read it, and I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to read this for the listeners. I just love that. Like, it was. It, like, to me, like, summarized everything, because it was, like, she went from being obsessed with him, stalker, to, you know, if we meet again, great. If we don't, we don't. Like, which I think is how everybody should, like, when you deal with heartbreak, like, trying to come to that healthy ground. Exactly. So... I guess just giving my final impression, like I said, as I said many times, it was very sweet, it was cute, and like I said, I really liked reading from Stargirl's perspective. I think that it enhanced, like, the Stargirl story for me, and I liked the, like, never-ending, like, letter style of writing, because one, I thought it fit with her character really well, and like I said, it did remind me a little bit of Pricks of Being a Wallflower, which I, we have covered on the show, and like I said, that's basically like my favorite young adult book of all time so i did like how this was like obviously not the same but just like a similar style of writing Mm -hmm. and i thought it served as a good sequel to the book yeah yeah i i agree i and i agree with you that like it's not it wouldn't necessarily work on its own but i did it it made me feel less icky about her because she had some growth. So it, it did... Gave her the redemption arc she needed. It did make me like her more afterwards. So there you go. Well, I'd recommend it. If you're going to read Stargirl, read the sequel too. Oh, for sure. It's a short book. Do it. Just do it. So that's it. Next week we're going to start a new book. We're reading a new series. And it's a me pick. I am so excited. We are reading the Children of the Lamp series by PB Care. Now, these books are a little longer. Just warning you in advance, but there are seven of them, and we decided we were going to try to read them a week at a time. I know it's rough because they are long. Rough for us, like the re the re the readers, the listeners aren't going to be reading. If there's any series they're going to skip, it's this one because we're going too fast. They might want to read along. I mean, I read. Uh, spoiler alert, I read ahead, and um, it took me two days to do this whole book. So, I'm just saying. Just saying. It can be done. If you read along, we're going to read the whole first book, which is the Akhenaten Adventure. Oh, get ready for names I'm not going to be able to pronounce. I can already feel it in my bones. God. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of those. <sighs> um, but I'm so excited. I love these books growing up. I reread them. My senior year of high school, I think. Like, as a fun project. And I'm so excited. My siblings and I really like these. Um, so, anyway. 
very exciting. If you do read along, first book, The Akhenaten Adventure, for next week, we just we decided it was going to be too long to spend 14 weeks on a book series. That was just going to break us. So It was going to break me well, specifically, but this will probably break me too. But at least but it will be these faster, books, a faster breakdown. So that but these books are recover. action-y. Like, these are kind of page-turnery books in a way that, like, because it's just a lot of action, it's on a lot of theme. They're kind of like Percy Jackson-ish in that sense. So I find that they're easy to read because it's not particularly complex and there's a lot happening, but it's clear, unlike freaking Inkheart, where there's a lot happening and you're like, I have no idea what's going on. So anyway, that's all I'm going to say for now. If you And just go ahead and read along. I think it's worth it. Almost stole my line. If you have any predictions, theories, or questions, remember that you can stay in touch with us about anything on the Nerd Party website. Just head over to nerdparty.com slash contact and select throwback paperback. You can send us an email there and get in touch with the network on Twitter at joynerdparty or on Instagram at thenerdparty or facebook.com slash thenerdparty. And to find me, I'm at asiabonia on TikTok and at asia.bonia on Instagram. And I'm at seashells on Instagram. And if you enjoy our show, make sure you rate, review it, share it with everyone you know. You know, if you are a teenager and you caretake a five-year-old and 11-year-old, share it with them. Well, maybe not the five-year-old. <laughs> and yeah, check out the other great podcasts we have with our Nerd Party family. And subscribe to our show so you don't miss us next week because it's going to be really fun hearing Asian mispronounced names. And I'm, again, we're, we could take the bets... I'm betting I'm not going to like it. I mean, has there really any been any series that I've actually thoroughly enjoyed of Charles? Probably just The City of Ember. Everything else has maybe started okay and then stabbed me in the heart. So I have very low expectations. So if you're ready for me to rag on another series, gear up. But with that, hit the subscribe button. Have a good one. We'll see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.